The views expressed by guests on this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and not PCCA. This podcast is intended to be educational and informative. PCCA does not endorse or advocate any practice that is not consistent with federal and state laws or regulations. Check with your local board of pharmacy about any issues in your particular jurisdiction. Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning pharmacy. Welcome, Compounding World. This is Mike Delicio, host of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. I'd like to take a minute to introduce to you a new series of A Mortar and Pestle called Tech Talk. Aaron Michael will now be the host of a series that will feature rock star pharmacy technicians. Aaron currently holds the position of Director of Member Engagement at PCCA and has worked in pharmacy for more than 25 years. Aaron was instrumental in developing and implementing programs to promote and grow compounding amongst technicians and traditional parts of pharmacy within that domain. She holds an MBA in healthcare management and an MS in hospitality management. She had been formally recognized as PCCA Technician of the Month in August 1999, Californian Pharmacists Association Technician of the Year in 2003, and was the very first technician to receive the California Pharmacists Association Stephen Feldman Compounder of the Year Award. We hope you enjoy this episode and many more to come. Stay tuned and enjoy. Hello, I'm Erin Michael, PCCA's Director of Member Engagement, and I am so excited to welcome you to the first ever recording of Tech Talk. Uh, we are a spinoff uh, within the Mortar and Pestle podcast, and I am so very excited that you're joining us here today. Uh, I'm going to be interviewing Stacy Hightower, probably one of the most influential pharmacy technicians in the compounding space. Uh, I'm excited to have her share with us some of the uh, ways that she has gotten to where she is today, and uh, maybe some have her share some best practices with us, but as well as kind of looking into the future and seeing uh, kind of what the evolution of a pharmacy technician could be in years to come. So Stacy, thank you for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you, Erin. Um, I'm super excited to be on uh, the spinoff number one. Uh, this, this is exciting times for not only PCCA, but the compounding industry. Yes, exciting times, Stacy. So as you said, you are the first uh, Tech Talk interview. So I'm super excited about that and so happy you could join us. Um, for our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about Las Colinas Pharmacy? Um, how did you get to where you are today? Uh, that's a great question, Erin. Um, so I started with Las Colinas Pharmacy when I was 14 years old. That was 38 years ago. So if you want to do the math, you can figure out how old I am. We were just a small independent pharmacy, no compounding, um, had basically a grocery store and makeup counter within the pharmacy. And about two years in, Jim recognized the need for hormones. He he actually created the first estradiol gel in the country. And his he'll he'll say he didn't have good lawyers to patent the the delivery device. We started compounding progesterone capsules where we had to hand pack them. If you're a compounder today, you do not know how well you have it with all the advanced technology and the invent of the capsule machine. So oh, I went on to school to be a, a school teacher, and it was during my senior year that 
I realized I didn't want to be a school teacher. I did not want to be responsible for teaching other people's children. I came back to the pharmacy and it was during that time that Jim had since really gotten to know PCCA. He got involved and we had a sterile lab and he recognized that I would be a good fit in that sterile lab as I'm very OCD. I'm, I like things laid out very specific and I like things very clean and I am patient driven. So oh, I started compounding in the sterile lab. I eventually was running that lab in about 2006, 2007, we had an inspection by the state board who came in and said, hey, Jim, you know, there's some regulations coming down the pipeline and you have to follow USP 797. We looked at each other. We had no idea what they were talking about. We started really diving into it. And I came out of the sterile lab. There were two technicians under me and I started implementing 797 and 795 within our pharmacy. It was during that time that we had marketers that Jim had hired a, a couple different marketers. And in the span of three months, they had spent like $70,000 on marketing material. And I was like, that's not right. Wait, no, 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 no. So I then took over our marketing department and created it. And so I created niches for myself within in the pharmacy. And today I'm the kind of the quasi marketing lead and the compliance officer for the sterile, non-sterile PCAB accredited pharmacy. That's amazing. And, and what a evolution to get to where you are today. Um, I know you and I have such similar stories in really creating those spots for ourselves. So I, I love that about you. Um, tell me, you know, with, I, I'm thinking of quality control and uh, sales and marketing, and obviously two opposite ends of the spectrum. But what is a typical, you know, what does your day-to-day -day look like? You know, I usually work around 10 to 11 hours a day. I come into the pharmacy almost daily. I know that's rare for most marketers to make an appearance within their pharmacy. But being the compliance officer, I like to come in and check and make sure our, our processes are being adhered to. I meet with certain members of our, our team and, and just kind of get a, a feel for what they're anticipating the day is going to look like. I then um, get with our other marketer and find out what's her plan for the, the day. Instead of doing it on a week, I found it's best if I just, if we speak every day and we, we coordinate with, with what we're doing. Um, there's days I may not leave the pharmacy because I may get tied up with compliance or I may get tied up on the phone. I've often said that because of being the compliance officer, I'm not your typical marketer and that I'm out there pounding the pavement. I'm a smiler and dialer. If a new practitioner has sent something in, I call them up. I thank them, introduce myself, ask if they have any questions. Do they have any hard cases that they're having issues with that they would like like our clinical team of pharmacists to maybe discuss with them about, is there something we can, that we have in our realm of, of our box to help a particular patient that they may not think is helpable. So oh, um, usually in the, the day with tidying up, making sure the lab followed all their procedures for the day and I go home. Sounds pretty busy and lots of hours that you put in there. I know Jim and Jan really value everything you do for the pharmacy as well. Um, let's take a step back to, you know, I guess days gone by. So uh, obviously you and I have been in the industry for a long time. Uh, we've seen how things have changed, but 
you know, really, uh, what do you think some of the key changes have been or really advancements that have influenced what today's technician is today? Uh, or, you know, what their their role is today. And what I mean by that is, you know, it used to, you spoke earlier about where we used to do our compounding, you know, uh, and it was about that same time that we we made the initiative and the um, the really intentional effort to get up to speed with regulations. But, you know, talk to me about just where we were even five years ago as pharmacy technicians compared to where we are now. You know, five, five years ago, um, we were still in the thick of NECC and being heavily regulated, not that we're not heavily regulated now, but, um, you know, thanks to like PCCA's efforts um, on advocating it and going to Capitol Hill, comp- technicians weren't valued as much as they're valued now. And, and I, I think that with pharmacists are moving more into a clinical yeah. position, and the techs are moving into more of a technical position. And, and, you know, it's one of those deals. Rome wasn't built in a day and we're constantly ever changing. Right. And so as the pharmacists move into their kind of new roles and learning their new roles as technicians, we're kind of stepping up and learning our new roles. And I think it's thanks to like mentors such as yourself in the industry, Aaron, who go out and even your team of sales reps that that go into pharmacies and they recognize you know something in certain technicians you you recognize that in me you you're the one that pushed me when we were in Hawaii and I said I'm just a technician and you're like no you're not and you kind of you gave me a voice and I'm trying to give other techs a voice in that there's a role to be performed find that niche in your pharmacy and take it and run with it. Find a void in your pharmacy. I I think that technicians are going into more leadership. There's more opportunity to sit on boards, whether it's, um, you know, your state boards, your state associations, national boards. The, The technician role has definitely evolved and we are being regarded um, and respected and listened to in, in the roles. Well, you are so sweet, Stacy, and thank you for the kind words. Um, you had it in you the whole entire time. Sometimes we just needed a little nudge from our friends. So I appreciate the kind words and, and all of the support. Um, you definitely are a superstar and, and contribute so much to the industry, which I do want to touch upon uh, in just a little bit too. Just I want to talk about advocacy and what that looks like too. But we'll get we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, it's funny you bring up, you know, pharmacists moving into more clinical roles, allowing technicians to take on more leadership. And um, I I couldn't agree with you more. And we really saw that happen during the pandemic. Um, We saw technicians, you know, whether it was at the state level, um, getting some of these uh, abilities to help out with vaccinations and and some of the other things that truly were needed because, um, you know, all of us had to bend and flex a little bit during the pandemic to make sure that we could take care of our patients. And, and there was such a, a high need for healthcare workers, not only in the hospitals, but also in the pharmacy setting too. So I do think that um, in the past three years, we've probably catapulted, you know, further uh, and faster than we would have maybe in 10 years if we didn't have the pandemic. So um, while, you know, the, I'm sure there was uh, a lot of 
things that people contribute negatively to towards the pandemic, I actually think it, it took our profession uh, multiple steps forward. And I, I'm very excited about that. And I do see a lot more of, of our uh, colleagues wanting to stay in the profession. You know, sometimes I think that pharmacy technicians, they use this position or have in the past as a stepping stone, whether it's to go to pharmacy school or to go to medical school or to be a nurse or something like that. And I think what we see now is a lot more people are realizing that there's a lot of growth and opportunity within the pharmacy technician space. And so we see a lot more people um, realizing, and like you said, filling that void, finding that void, whether it's within your pharmacy, whether it's um, within corporate America, but you see a lot more pharmacy technicians in higher leadership positions, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, I was at a, a pharmacy meeting over the weekend and uh, one of the national boards that I sit on, and it was so cool to be sitting around the table with other pharmacy technicians. One of them was on the state board of pharmacy. How cool is that? Um, you know, I had other pharmacy technicians that were deans at universities, and I'm not talking about technician schools. I'm talking about, you know, University of Michigan, uh, like, I mean, real universities, which is is super cool to see that they're teaching this. And you see more and more high schools um, adding pharmacy technicians to their vocational programs as well, which is uh, really cool to see. So lots of opportunity within the pharmacy technician space and definitely um, yeah, I will always say you're not just a tech. So if I ever hear somebody say that, um, you know, we need to be proud of what we do and the roles that we we play within the pharmacy profession. I know that I'm very proud of it and I, I want my colleagues to be proud of it as well. You know, Erin, so. one of the, the things, and I didn't mean to cut you off, one of the things I found when kind of preparing for this is that I thought this was interesting that in 2019, which is prior the, to the pandemic, the U.S. Bureau of Stats said that they forecasted pharmacy technicians to grow 7% over the next 10 years. That's the fastest growth, that's the faster growth than any rate for all professions, which is wow. expected at 5%. So, you know, and like you just said, with the pandemic, technicians were recognized because we did step up and we did handle so much with the, the COVID vaccine and we handled more of the acute roles right. and showed that we could handle it. So I would be interested to see the new stats. I can't find any yet um, on if that projected went up even higher. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so I know we've talked a little bit about, you know, kind of what has happened over the past couple of years, but let's look uh, hopefully into the future a little bit. I know you have your crystal ball right there. So, um, you know, let's talk about where do you see the role of the compounding pharmacy technician, uh, you know, evolving to in the future? Are there any uh, different responsibilities that you potentially see us having or any opportunities maybe that our listeners could uh, look to explore or even capitalize on? I think one of the, the great things that is coming down the pipeline, and, and I know I would some in the industry are probably going to give me pushback for saying this. I love that USP has implemented the designated person. And the designated person does not have to be a pharmacist. In fact, my guess is if your pharmacy compounds, the designated person is not going to be a pharmacist. It is going to be a technician. And it doesn't have to just be one 
designated person. You can have multiple designated persons within your pharmacy. You may have one tech in your, we call it a wet lab at our pharmacy, a non-sterile lab that excels and gets molded prep. Or you may have one person that excels at training, that they're just a phenomenal trainer of your new technicians. So I really feel like that that designated person is going to allow technicians to step up into that role as well as into a support leadership role. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what what becomes of that. And kudos to the USP committee for having the forethought to to think that. And, you know, while we're on the role of technicians, look at the USP compounding committee. It's led by a technician. So you, you kudos to them um, for, for stepping up and I would personally like to see more state boards of pharmacies, a.k.a. Texas, more state associations, a.k.a. Texas, <laughs> let technicians on the board and, yeah. and have a voice. It doesn't have to be a compounding technician, but let's get more in tech, more technicians involved at the state level and even the national level. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I do think, you know, like you said, that creation of the designated person, that creates a career path or a career opportunity for technicians within your pharmacy, too. And I think that's probably could contribute to why we see some turnover or some technicians that use this position as a stepping stone is there's this false sense of there's no career path. And so I would encourage all of our listeners to take a step back and look within your pharmacy. Uh, what career path could you put in place for your technicians, whether that's starting out as data entry and moving their way up to maybe a lead um, and then moving into maybe a compounding role or a, you know, a, a management role, assistant management role. Um, again, at the, at that board meeting that I was speaking of over the weekend, um, I was sharing that at my pharmacy, we not only had a pharmacist in charge, a PIC, but we had a technician in charge position too, a TIC. And that TIC and PIC worked hand in hand to make sure that you know, we were upholding all of our state regulations and our federal regulations and all of that kind of stuff. So again, while we didn't have the designated person, uh, you know, uh, assignment back when I had my pharmacies, um, we definitely had somebody that fulfilled that role. And really, you know, if there was that person back in the day, uh, they definitely would have been in that. And, and the technician was leading that effort. So I think there's definitely some opportunity there with, like I said, career path and, and getting your people uh, a little bit more empowered and and giving them something to look forward to in the future of your pharmacy too. So I agree. Um, you know, I won't say I agree with all of USP, but I do agree with that. So we can agree on that part of it for sure, for sure. So let's talk a little bit about education. Um, the world is crazy right now and, you know, keeping up with everything that's going on, whether you're in compounding or not, even just keeping up with your state regulations, um, you know, what does education look like for you, Stacey, and how do you stay abreast of everything that's going on in the in your industry as well as just the pharmacy industry or the profession? You know, I, I try to stay involved with, um, I've subscribed to everything. I get emails on, on everything. Um, I try to listen to webinars as much as I, I can. I try to go to in-person functions. Um for me, it, 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 you know, I have an eagerness to learn and I have the will to want to do it right. I love, and, and I think this is what makes me love compliance is I love knowing that our pharmacy as well as others are doing it right, that, that we're following the protocols. 
it's, it's black and white. It, it's, you know, I want to know that every pharmacy actually in the industry is doing it right. So that way, if you're compounding for a, a, a child or a, a mom or a grandma and they have to get that compound at another pharmacy because maybe they're out of state and that your particular pharmacy doesn't ship out of state, that it's cohesive across the board, that it's the same thing that you don't have to worry about. Well, did they get the active right? I, I love the the training part of it. Um, you know, you have to know that the regulations are changing every day. And yeah. so we have to stay caught up and, you know, I've gotten to know people in the industry. I mean, I, I know you, I, I know Brenda Jensen, you know, even Eagle analytical, um, find people in the industry. If, if you're someone that's, you're listening to this and you're like, well, but I don't know how to go about it. Reach out to PCCA, you know, they're, they're a wealth of information. They're, they're going to give you the answers. If they can't and they don't know, call me and I'll see if I can't, you know, help. I'm always, um, this is one I want people to know that maybe are listening to this. Reach out. We're not untouchable. We are, right. we are human and we want to know that you're doing it right. So don't ever be afraid to, to ask questions because I was afraid to ask questions until I realized, well, no question is a bad question. So I'm yeah. just going to keep asking away and keep plugging and, and you'll, you'll get there. You know, you, you've got to think that, and one of the things that I, I learned and actually Megan Reed, who's with ACHC, she put a paper out on knowledge versus training versus competency. And that's big. Um, you can probably Google and, and find it, but you can have the knowledge, you can be trained, but do you have the competency to do it? Right. And so that's one of the things that I've been teaching with within our pharmacy is, you know, we can train someone, but are they competent? So, oh, um, yeah, you, you just get involved, read. I, I often laugh that I'm not a big reader. I've got old eyes. Um, I like pictograms. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, the, that's why I think I love webcasts and um, Zoom meetings are, are great. Just get involved um, and don't be afraid to ask questions. What a perfect transition into my next question, because I know it's something that um, you are very passionate about. I know that we have worked together on a couple boards um, and you continue to serve on the uh, APC's uh Pharmacy Compounding Foundation. And so, um, you know, tell me a little bit about how uh, advocacy plays a role in your life. And, and if you were, uh, this is your opportunity now to get some other people involved in this. So I know how much you and I uh, do to protect the profession, but let's talk advocacy now. And what does that mean to you? How'd you get involved in advocacy? And what, what advice would you give some of our listeners as far as where to start? Um. I got involved thanks to you and Brenda Jensen, who, um, this is how you, you want to know, I guess, know people. Y'all texted me and said, hey, we've got a position open on a board and we would love for you to apply. And I, I applied. I, I got on the board of directors for the Pharmacy Compounding Foundation, formerly IACP Foundation, and um, discovered that with advocacy comes like-minded people. And that we're all in it together. You know, one of the things that I would want to stress to anyone listening to this going, oh, that's not for me. 
Do you compound? Do you compound with an API? It's for you because it affects you as well as, as those of us that are larger compounders now. Um, you're not advocating for just you. You're advocating for your patients and your practitioners. You're, we go to Capitol Hill twice a year um, with PCCA's act and then APC's um, compounders on Capitol Hill. We meet with senators and congressmen. Is it intimidating? It's intimidating for five minutes. And, and after that, you get in a role and you you tell that senator or that congressman or that aide, because you don't always get to meet with the, the, the congressperson, um, you might meet with their health aide. You get to tell them a story. You, I have found that we win them over when we can tell them a, a heartfelt story or we ask them, is anyone in your family on a compound? Um, I am honored that I was elected the president of the foundation board. I'm, my two-year term is up in December and I plan on staying active with it because it, it has been, um, it's pushed me out of my comfort zone for yeah. sure. Um, if you knew me 10 years ago, you'd be like, there's no way she's going to ever talk to anybody. <laughs> I would like hide behind the counter. And in fact, when I worked in the pharmacy as a kid, um, I wasn't allowed to work the register because I wouldn't talk to the patients. Uh, it, it just, I was petrified to talk to people. So Aaron's brought me out of my shell, <laughs> so, but yeah, get involved. Don't think because maybe you're only a one or two compounder operation that this isn't for you. It is. If more so, it may be for you more than than it is for the the larger compounders because you're going to go talk to your senator and congressman and they want to hear from their constituents. And we are getting good friends within, you know, the senators and congressmen. Um, After last week's act with with PCCA, I'm hearing nothing but positive um, results from that. Yeah, uh, it's so funny, Stacey, just to hear, uh, see your energy you know, uh, get boosted up and to hear your tone of voice, totally different. So we can definitely, uh, we can hear it, we can see it, we can feel your passion for protecting the profession. And I'm so grateful that I have colleagues like you that stand by my side uh, when we do go walk the hill. So we were, uh, we were just there, which was great. It was the beginning of last week. Uh, and like you said, it was PCCA's ACT conference we went, we were in DC. Uh, we had the the biggest showing that we've ever had as far as pharmacists, marketers, uh, and technicians show up, which was fabulous. And um, the conversations were so great. Uh, I think we had, you know, we were laser focused on what our ask was, as well as we've been doing it for a while now. And so we're starting to build those relationships within um, Washington. And it's great to walk in. And now we don't have to explain what compounding is anymore. They know what compounding is, and now they're just there. We have more time dedicated towards our ask, which is really cool. Um, and it was really neat to see some new faces. We actually had 35% of our audience this year was actually first timers, which was so cool. Um, but I always tell people, you know, again, if you're intimidated to do that, start at the local level. Find out who your local representation is. You know, invite them to come to a tour within your pharmacy. Just make sure that you're staying on top of what's going on in your state, what's going on at the federal level. Um, and it truly is our job to tell our story. If we don't tell our story, somebody else will. And um, we need to own that narrative. So I always encourage people to have a seat at the table rather than being on the menu. Uh, as PCCA's CEO always says, Mr. Sparks, 
uh, it's much easier to be a part of that change rather than trying to react to that change afterwards. So um, I thank you for all you do. Um, I just want to clarify one thing for our listeners that maybe may not know we used a lot of acronyms in that that piece right there. So I do want to, you're probably saying, what the heck is APC? What is IACP? Any of that. So IACP uh, used to be uh, what APC is today. So they're the same company. APC is the Alliance for Pharmacy Compounding, formerly IACP, which is the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacy. So that we went through a name change, and I say we because I currently serve on that board, uh, but we are our national trade association. So we are the ones that really are the advocacy piece and the protection um, of our profession. And PCCA works very, very closely, uh, hand in hand with APC to make sure that we are protecting our profession and moving it forward. So uh, they are a membership organization. If you are not a, if you are a compounder, and you are not a member of APC, uh, that is your, your call to action from listening to this podcast is please, please uh, go on and become a member. If you work in a pharmacy, you can become a pharmacy facility member, meaning you pay one price and all of the employees within um, your pharmacy become members of APC. So uh, I highly, highly recommend uh getting in touch with them and becoming a member if you're not, that's also a great way to stay in the know about what's going on because there's lots of communication, um, whether it's news, weekly newsletters or uh, monthly webinars, um, lots of things to do there. And then there's lots of committees too. So if you don't know where to start, it's a great way to dip your toe in the water and just get on a committee. That's how I started. And then pretty soon I was the president of the, the foundation. And then I solicited Stacy to come in and now she's the president. And then I moved on to the APC board, which that will be my, my next solicitation for Stacy as well is to get on the board. So, um, but if you wanna be on a committee, we're always looking for new ideas and new help, um, you know, to, to make sure that we are moving the, the profession forward. So definitely look into that. Um, you know, I want to wrap this up with uh, maybe a little bit of advice for our listeners. So if you were talking to somebody, you know, maybe an aspiring pharmacy technician, maybe that wanted to get into compounding or not want to get into compounding, um, you know, what would be some advice that you would give uh, somebody that is listening right now and saying, I think I want to, you know, embrace this whole uh, pharmacy technician industry? Do it. <laughs> just, just, you know, just do it. Um, it's, you're not getting in at the end of something you're, you're still, because the role is evolving, you're getting in on the ground floor is of something because technicians are being heard and respected. Um, you know, never stop learning. If, if you do decide to become a, a a technician and, and like Aaron said, not just a compounding technician. There's so many roles within the healthcare organization of pharmacy, hospital, nuclear, you know, closed door. There's so many roles to be held with, within the, the pharmacy technician um, that you, you would be surprised. And, and like I said, if you do get in, pay attention, you know, look around. And if you notice something in the pharmacy, like, there's an area that's not being taken care of that's within the scope of practice, take it over, you know, own it and take it to your, your owner or corporate or, or something, you know, just 
just do it. Like, and, and this has nothing to do with industry, but I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking my son was in college and he worked for a hardware store and he recognized they didn't have a great um, inventory system. He went in and he created an inventory system and that hardware company, it's huge. They have about 50 stores. They, to this day, and that was like 11 or 12 years ago, use his inventory system he created for them. So go in and, and have your eyes open, constantly be be looking for something. Um, always never stop learning. Uh, always ask questions. Always be at the forefront if you can. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've pestered Aaron. I've pestered the, the consultants at PCCA. I've pestered Jim. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say that when I come with like an answer to something, I'm listened to now. They don't just, oh, you're a technician, go back to your lab or, or anything. And when our techs come to me, I listen to them because just because we're doing something one way, don't be afraid to ask, hey, have we looked at doing the process this way? Because it may work even better. So, oh, don't be afraid to step up and step out. It, wow. It's it, it's there. Do I it. Love it. I love it. It's kind of like Nike, just do it. Just do it. That was awesome. Thank you, Stacy. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you do for the profession. Um, it was my honor to have you on our first uh, Tech Talk podcast. So I'm so thankful that you shared your story with our listeners. I hope it inspired people. I know it inspired them. Um, and I, I just can't wait to see uh, what we can do as a profession and what the future looks like for us. I think it's very, very bright. And um, again, just thank you for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you for having me. This was this was fun. Um, it really made me dive kind of deep back in into why why I do what I do. And right. you know, it's the true passion for the patient that that really drives me. That whether the patient's human or animal. So yes. um, and for for my colleagues such as yourself, you know, y'all y'all mean a lot to me. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Stacy. And thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you enjoyed our first ever Tech Talk, uh, a spinoff of the Mortar and Pestle podcast. We look forward to seeing you again and uh, we'll be in touch. Have a great day. 